Welcome to the weekly service podcast, Stories with Heart, where we explore the unique tales we all have to tell about this human life and how we might grow towards a truly thriving society. This podcast is generously supported by our members, and the stories were first told at the weekly service, a Melbourne-based secular community group, bringing connection, ritual and meaning back into our lives. Ornop Sheikh is an artist, musician and deep-feeling human who grew up in Bangladesh surrounded by a large supportive family. He's also one of our bards for this season and his story today is interwoven with him playing his beautiful instrument, the sharod. It was only when Ornop moved to Melbourne in 2014 that he realised how rich in connection his childhood had been. He moved from Dhaka, rated as one of the world's least livable cities, to Melbourne, which at the time held the top spot. While Melbourne has all the mod cons of life, including buses that come to a full stop to let passengers on and off, Ornob wasn't prepared for how lonely he would feel. He realised that material privilege often comes with a cost, that of connection, and he became curious about how loneliness affects others and what we can do to cultivate connections in the big smoke. Ornob's story is about one of the fundamental truths of life, that we are all hardwired for connection. This service was curated by weekly service member Kirsty Mergeline. Kirsty mentioned, yeah, I grew up in Bangladesh and uh, yeah, in a joint family. And the understanding of family growing up was it contains your grandparents, your uncle, aunts, and cousins of different days uh, just playing around you. Uh, so that was the environment I grew up. And there was the idea of separate household or uh, separate uh, time to call someone and then make a plan and then go. That was, uh, I had to learn quite a bit after moving to Australia, quite a few etiquette actually. And uh, so my dad was uh, a government officer. So growing up uh, as, a, as a kid, uh, I think before age 12, I had to change almost seven or eight, no, more than 80 schools actually, because he would move around to different places, like uh, the government officer get transferred every uh, year or a couple of years. So I had a life growing up both in uh, rural places of Bangladesh, in different parts of Bangladesh, and also uh, the Dhaka city. And uh, growing up a bit, uh, like uh, slowly I re- realized that music was a big thing for me. Like it's just whether it's listening to it or uh, just practicing singing, it moves or engages the body in a way. Like now I can cognitively think how, how it works or how it used to work. But at that time, it's just, uh, you know, uh, capturing, like uh, encapsulating my soul or attention. So, uh, yeah, with my parents, uh, uh, 
like support started uh, singing and other lessons. And it is a bit unusual if um, if you're not familiar familiar with the education system of Bangladesh. It's very very theoretical based. So the most of the parents don't like kids uh, reading uh, any books other than their textbooks, and they certainly a lot of them discuss playing games or uh, even any music or art are sweet because your sole target is uh, to be su- someone successful in terms of your career. And that ends up being uh, with the definition, either a doctor or engineer, architect, that sort of uh, narrative way. So my parents supporting me uh, through the cultural activity, it was uh, not very usual and especially buying an instrument uh, instead of a computer. And we didn't have any other computer that was like uh, very unusual, like they had to go through quite a bit of uh, criticism, not just me, like the like other neighbors or like family member, extended family members. Like, are you sure about that? Like, it's like, just because he's saying, are you going to do that? And <laughs> so uh, that was not the only time my parents actually uh, supported or encouraged uh, me through a creative journey or the pursuit. Uh, so when I finished my high school, I uh, did uh, end up studying fashion. And then after studying fashion uh, for a few years back home, I was working as a part-time fashion designer and also a part-time as a lecturer uh, at a university. And the thing is, first uh, part of my life, the time I, I was in Bangladesh, I was always with my family members. The longest I think I was away from them, maybe maximum two weeks, at a, not even two weeks, close to two weeks at a time. And cousins will see each other at least once a week, sometimes more, because we uh, used to live close by. And they're like friends and other family members. So it's a very uh, integrated social connection where I uh, used to live or my how my life was back home. And the thing is, because I didn't have that uh, deprivation of the, that social connection, I, I never thought it was a big thing. It's just, okay, everyone has family and everyone like does like never thought it could be a factor in any sort of way of who we are or uh, how we feel or kind of like our daily life, uh, emotional state. So uh, in career aspect uh, in Bangladesh, I felt because it's not, it's a small country comparing to globe and also opportunity wise, you can't do much at a uh, global scale or like around the world, you can't just travel to another place and explore something else. Uh, Visa passport wise, it's not uh, accessible to other countries in that sort of way. So I was feeling a bit stagnant. Uh, Like I know uh, where I'll end up with my career and it's, it's safe and it's good, but it's just that young ambitious dream that kind of like started to like tickle me like I I need to I do want to uh, see more or I want to explore more like what I can offer what I can 
learn uh, from the world. So in 2014, like it's uh, made a big move. So coming to Australia to study uh, uh, my master's. And that was actually a huge move, not only for me, like uh, also my family members, because uh, it's very expensive as an international student. And um, uh, in our country's currency, I was working already a few years, but like I, the saving, if you just convert, uh, it, it doesn't add up to pay your tuition fee. So uh, there again, my parents uh, again stretched themselves and this time pretty like pretty wide open uh, they actually took off their quite a few money from their pension and uh, uh, that's how like we uh, applied for masters here and when i think about it it's uh, it's not very unusual uh, for family members to do that uh, in in my culture it's like you take care of each other uh, because uh, with our currency, if I try to wait just from my income, I'd have to wait maybe another 10 years. And I just, uh, when I was speaking to uh, Krusty about it, uh, it just made me think like, we often talk about intergenerational trauma, how that uh, goes through. But it just made me think something like, it was an act of intergenerational perseverance. Because I knew uh, before moving to Australia, I'll have to struggle a lot financially and there'll be other lot of changes in my life, uh, which I'm not used to. I have to uh, like adapt a lot. And my parents also knew making that decision that they have to struggle for a few more years, very like struggle very hard financially because of that decision uh, on a daily, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. But uh, even though they supported me, and after that, yeah, after that, uh, 2014, uh, I came here. I moved to Australia to start my master's. Are you going to play a song for us? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that idea of um, intergenerational perseverance. It's a beautiful concept. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
So the tune I just played is kind of the similar feeling that I was feeling uh, in 2014. Uh, there was a lot of excitement and, a bit, uh, and at the same time, a lot of nervousness. Uh, it's a mix of both. It's like a new country, new life, uh, new, actually having an opportunity to see what's out there and uh, exploring that. And at the same time, yeah, leaving all that I had back home, all the, mm, well, not just connection, like all the patterns of living, uh, interaction, uh, friends, family, obviously. And as I mentioned, like uh, we had quite a bit of uh, mental preparation uh, before deciding uh, coming to uh, Melbourne. And the big preparation was in terms of financial scenario. It's like, okay, for two years, it will be really hard financially and kind of accepting that before moving here. Like uh, I can do this, like it will be very hard, but it will be okay. Uh, like I, I can adapt with that. Uh, whatever uh, goes through. But the part that I missed, uh, like pre being prepared for, it's the part where it's like, how would it emotionally feel suddenly being at a very connected family where we'd have like, we're eating always together or like, we're hanging out or just being at each other's company and there's, like if something happens, there are a lot of people around you to share that. And you feel connected in a way you don't feel the wall that you uh, feel hesitate whether uh, you're going to share or not, or uh, how's the dynamic going to go. It, uh, having that complete trust in the relationships. So having that all kind of always in my life, I just didn't know how valuable it is before moving to Australia or actually experiencing the other side when you don't have uh, those things in a ready-made way. And then as, a, as an international student um, uh, studying at the same time, suddenly looking for a job in a different uh, aspect, uh, it's like I started, okay, back home as a fashion designer and also a lecturer. Um, at least uh, like starting from a retail scenario, then looking at probably at that point, my uh, my qualification with English or other things uh, didn't matter, what was required. And slowly after a few months, I was just like anything will do at this point that like whatever's out there, that'll do. And then finally I got uh, like work as a, a cleaner uh, in a cleaning job and that was kind of like a night shift work so there are sometimes it'll like i'll finish at 6 a.m and then there's class at 9 and like you'll be tired and like sleep deprived and then there was actually no time or capacity to have any social interaction uh like that allowance in a 
uh, and it was kind of like for more than a year, actually, one and a half year or close to two, two years, almost one and a half year. And that, that period of time, I realized like I, I was trying to save uh, every bit of money I can so I can pay the next tuition fee. Uh, so whether it's rent-wise or food-wise, uh, it was not ideal. But is that the thing? Like I was ready for those things to be not ideal. I was mentally prepared uh, to struggle financially. But the part I wasn't ready is what I always had back home is that emotional support, that a bit of blanket of love and connection and that bond of family. And then I started actually appreciate what I had because I realized it's not just me. I, I see other international students. Then I get to meet other people. Then says it's not just international students. There are a lot of people who are even from Australia, like they struggle with that, that sort of loneliness or uh, feeling isolated. Uh, even if people have some connection, isolated in a way you don't feel someone, uh, feel that you can rely on to someone to express uh, if you go through something. And that actually made me very curious, like, okay, so this is a um, novel experience for me and I'm struggling very much, uh, like uh, struggling. And it's not just my personal struggle, like a lot of people also share the same struggle. So how they, do they cope with that or, what happens there with them? Like, do they suffer or is it just me who is feeling like this? And uh, what happened is after, uh, and it's, it's a hilarious aspect in a way because the city I came from, it was in, in 2014, uh, Dhaka city was, I think, probably second least livable city in the world. In the, in the record, because uh, I think the first least livable city was, I can't remember, but I think war was happening there. Like it was in war, that city. And our city wasn't in war, but it's just least livable city in the world. And Melbourne was number one, like seven years, number one. I was like, whoa, so cool. But my day-to-day uh, emotional state was not reflected the ranking of the city. Then I was thinking, like, how come, like, how does it make sense? And it does make sense if we take all the uh, measurement that we do, because in any measurement, Dhaka is far, far off uh, comparing to M Melbourne, whether it's public transport, convenient of convenience of life, um, the things you can do here, go to places, the freedom, uh, the opportunities, like it's the distance are unfathomable. Just, uh, I'll just give you an example. So, um, so public transport wise back home, if we like, uh, I still always, uh, go through public transport. We, we, uh, we didn't have car. We still don't have car back home. Like we, we don't have washing machine, dish, uh, dishwasher, like nothing like this. Uh, our like household is 
way different than a household life here. And day to do day to day chores are very different, like what we have to do. So to get onto bus, like our bus doesn't stop. Like here, I see like bus actually stop for you. There's a bus stop and it stops. And it's just amazing when you have like a bus stop and a bus stops for you. Because like for us, we'll have our bag, like whether I'm going when as a student or even uh, as a teacher. Um, so I know the bus is coming and when it, it will see me, it will slow down. Uh, and like I'll start running at the same time, like at the same direction. And like our speed will match and I'll uh, hold the handle of the bus door. And then I'll run and I'll jump into the bus. So that's how it works. It's slow down for you. And like when you jump, you have to remember, like you're jumping, uh, you're putting your right foot first. If you don't put your right foot, if you put your left foot, you'll fall. Like there are techniques how you do these things. Like you have to, like you have to learn it from school level. If you don't, like if you're out of practice, you'll fall. And same thing, like when you uh, wanna take off, uh, like. Uh, get off from the bus you tell the driver and the bus driver will slow down as like you try to negotiate like please make it slower it's like no like you can get off i'm like no <laughs> make it slower and then like we'll jump with our left foot and you have to run otherwise the momentum will just like you know uh, like make you fall and then melbourne number one city and there's a bus stop and i stand there and like a bus actually stops, like like solid stop, like not slowing down. I was like, wow. And after a while, I brought my Sharod, which is um, I carry with a trolley. So I was with my Sharod. In Bangladesh, I never took Sharod in a bus. It's not possible. And the bus not only stopped, it, it has like a hydraulic pressure thing or something. It just like slanted down for me to just easily get on. I was like, wow, that's amazing. So in every sort of aspect, there, there would be thousands of examples how uh, different in terms of convenience, amenities, uh, the city I came from and the city I'm in now. but. Uh, just realizing it wasn't reflecting how I emotionally, how I feel. And after one and a half year, uh, when I had a bit more time away from uni, as meeting a lot of different people and seeing it's not just me, it's, it's, it is a shared uh, scenario. It's, uh, there are quite a few people who feel similar. And when I think about back home, there are a lot of adversity we have to go through on a day-to-day -day basis, just because we don't have the technological progression uh, to make life easier, which we should. But somehow people, that social cohesion or that sense of belonging uh, in a lot of, lot of uh, families or a lot of uh, spaces, people... Uh, like from my pers perspective, I feel people uh, feel better or people uh, go through in a better emotional state, <clears throat> even without understanding of any stress management technique, any uh, self-help te technique, like all the things 
we know uh, from here, like breathing tools or how to calm your nervous system. Back home, they hardly know anything about those things. But it's just the social cohesion and uh, have, having that uh, sense of belonging and how that differs in an emotional state. So after uh, exploring a bit with other people, like it's, it's, it is a shared experience. So with one of my friends, we just thought, uh, okay, um, it's what, it's not directly like what we can do. We actually, I think came across like different YouTube videos and then we saw one like uh, somewhere people were doing free hugs. And then it's like, okay, let's, uh, shall we do that? Shall we try that? Like, w will it be okay to do? Mm. And we're like just uh, testing each other out. Like if we are in the same page, we both want to do it or we're just like being overly enthusiastic. But uh, eventually we're like, now let's do it. So I think in 2016, at some point, yeah, we started just um, in the street, in the city, just made a sign and like our free hugs, just how other people do it and just uh, stood there with the sign. And it's, the, it's very hilarious because once you hold the sign, you're on the spotlight, you are like, everyone sees you, a human being holding a sign saying free hugs. And you get a lot of different, you know, attention. Some people would uh, look and frown. Some people would look and smile. Some people would, like, you can see with some people, it just made them happy, uh, made their day. And then slowly you feel like people are coming to you and they're giving you a hug and just a hug for the sake of the hug, not for anything else. And it just makes you happy and it makes the other person happy you can see in their eyes because their eyes smile and the, so the first day we just feel like it, it does feel very different it does feel amazing like uh it's just random people we don't know in a city full of people who don't know each other but coexist it's just being there and offering a space, it, it, it felt great. Then we thought like, okay, let's do another time. So we did it next week and we just kept doing it because it's like, we see how it impacts people. And we hear like quite a few times, we heard stories from people, uh, story, like even something, um, someone would share that that's the hug they've got in the last six months with anyone someone it's longer and i remember for one like from for my friend uh someone shared to her that person just got diagnosed with uh cancer like from a tumor and she was uh by herself in melbourne like uh, like uh, me or like uh, other people who are in melbourne without family so she was in a state like her family relies on her so she doesn't want to say that to her family back home because she wanna she don't want to worry them and 
she was very uh, at that point like very flustered she i think just got the information and she just found a space where she can say that just because like my friend was holding that free hug sign and that made me think like we live around millions of people and we are like most of us internally are good human being and we care about people and we want to do something good for others and from my understanding that's most like most of the people but it's just it's when we have so much people at a space it creates a kind of vortex or a scenario where there are a lot of walls and we can't uh get through those walls and we become uh, separated by those walls i guess thanks so not is that the end of your story or do you have more to share i also wanted to share that so we did it um almost for close to two years uh, not regularly like it's just every now and then and sometimes we'll do i'll have more uh signs in my bag and uh in the street like we'll see some people would like from far away would just walk across and they'll like they're probably want to get a hug but they're like feeling shy because it's a bit uh hard for a lot of people intimidating uh just to uh get across that barrier and after 5 minutes 10 minutes they'll come back and so i i i used to have signs and some people who are like you can feel that they have the lot of energy to give for other people i just like if i sense it with someone else like do you know stand next to me or hold the sign and i'll like it's like uh like i will take your sign i said no i've got extra so i'll give that sign and like we'll have sometimes we'll start from two people end up five six people uh in the spot and slowly i like from because my passion like my creative energy i wanted to put into uh fashion and art uh and obviously music uh but at that point my experience with my own loneliness and then exploring that it, it is a shared um experience and it's just uh growing it's not like getting less it's just growing and growing and then i it kind of made me look into uh mental health or emotional state and then it actually changed my whole pursuit uh like my pursuit was in putting my creative energy in terms of aesthetics uh something for the sake of beauty i wanted to create i wanted to uh explore that creativity and create something out of it but then i looked at all started to dive into the research that has been done whether it's in terms of neuroscience or in terms of uh nervous system uh the aspects of mental health and then i just look it's all theory based and uh it's been explained uh by the scientists not even they not uh, not all of them are a good public communicator because like that skills you need to be a researcher is different from a, a public communication and most of the artists or uh, people who are good at, with public communication uh, in a broader way how 
monetary in incentive works, they have to work for something where they can sustain themselves. And if it, most of the time it, it ends up working for an organization or corporation, you know in your soul it's not doing anything good for the whole world or human beings or a society. Although you have a mission statement, it has a lot of uh, corporate responsibility in their website. But a lot of people I know, they know in their heart that that's not their fault. They are for the profit and that's the only way uh, artists or like uh, with creative energy we can uh, make money. That's the most accessible way. So that kind of gave me a new actually uh, purpose. I wanted to like whatever creative energy or capacity to think uh, I have to actually explore, like, well, how does it work? Uh, how the interconnection work of an individual, nar individual nervous system and in a broader way, a social nervous system, how the interactions work and how far actually we can go if we just work on individual, like if we work on uh, just on our soul nervous system with breathing, humming, or uh, exercise, whatever the tools we have, uh, actually how far we can go with that. So it's kind of like later on in a way I realized that like my own experience with my loneliness actually gave me, changed my dream and purpose. Like I actually like changed what I want want to offer now. Thanks for listening to the weekly service podcast, Stories with Heart. If you'd like to hear more from us, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Weekly Service. And if you'd like to support the podcast, feel free to share this episode with a friend, leave us a review on iTunes, or make a donation at theweeklyservice.com forward slash donations.